Thank you for listening to Preaching the Word with Nathan Deitch. Welcome to another episode of the Mysteries of God's Word. This week is special. We're going to learn about the priest of God Most High, Melchizedek, one of the great mysteries of God's Word. If you were with me last week, we learned about Abram, his servants, and his allies defeated the raiding party of Keterleomer. And Abram had just looted the raiding party that had taken all of the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, brought back his kinsman Lot, who had been kidnapped. And we pick up in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. After his return from the defeat of Keterleomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. We learn that Abram returned to the King's Valley. Now, the King's Valley is also known as the Kidron Valley, and it's viewed as one of the most sacred and highly traveled areas in the Bible. It's located on the eastern edge of Jerusalem, between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. The King's Valley is the valley Jesus rode a colt through when he was on his way to Jerusalem during his triumphal entry. It's also the valley. Jesus will cross when he comes again, landing on the Mount of Olives and coming toward Jerusalem. But today, we learn this is where Abram returns, and now we see the king of Sodom going out to meet him. The king of Sodom stands in stark contrast to the other king that's about to arrive. In verse 18, we read, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now Melchizedek is perhaps one of the most discussed characters in all of the Bible, and for good reason, as we will learn. There's no historical evidence for this king, whose name means king of righteousness. Melchizedek is discussed in the book of Hebrews. In fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 3, it reads, "He is without father or mother." or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. Now this verse in Hebrews claims that Melchizedek is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither the beginning of days nor the end of life, and resembling the Son of God, and being a priest forever. There is also other scriptural references to Melchizedek as a Christ figure. Psalm 110.4 reads, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And again in Hebrews chapter 7, it compares Jesus Christ to Melchizedek. 
saying in verse 17, For it is witnessed of him, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And again in verse 21, But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said of him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And we see here in Genesis chapter 14 that Melchizedek is the king of Salem. And Salem is related to Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. And Hebrews 7.2 tells us that Abram apportioned a tenth of everything for him. He is first, again speaking of Melchizedek, he is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. It's also very interesting to note the things that happen when Melchizedek appears. The king of Sodom was the first to meet Abram, but he waited until Melchizedek was done. Somehow the very presence of Melchizedek kept the king of Sodom silent. Second, Melchizedek brings bread and wine for Abram to refresh him. It's very interesting that the elements of bread and wine are brought for Abram. The elements that are used in both the Passover meal and the Last Supper. And finally, Abram, after such a large and decisive victory, now holding the region in his hand, humbles himself before this king, and he accepts his blessing. Not only that, Abram gives this king a tenth of everything he's just taken without any discussion. The scripture refers to him as a priest of God Most High. It's the first reference to a priest in all of Scripture. This title that Melchizedek is using for God does mean God Most High, or it can mean Sovereign Lord. And this priestly king is representing Yahweh, the same God that Abram worshipped. This priest confirms that he represented the Lord by using the description, the possessor of heaven and earth. While scholars can often debate over who Melchizedek really was, there's not much question in my mind as to who this is. We have already seen that God has appeared to Abram in the flesh. He's appeared as a theophany to Abram, and Melchizedek is an appearance of the Son of God, ministering grace and mercy to Abram, after Abram had just finished a very bloody battle, rescuing his family. Hebrews 6.20 reads, Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And we see that Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything he had. This is the first mention in scripture of a tithe, but it's a great example of how we are to give. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Abram here gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything he has because he's decided in his heart that he wants to give this to the Lord. He does it with a cheerful heart, a heart full of worship towards the Lord God Almighty not under some kind of compulsion like, I have to do this, or this is what God is requiring me to do, 
Rather, this is what I wish to do in worship to the Lord. A tenth is what we would call the biblical standard for giving a tithe. So if your heart desires to give to the Lord, give generously, whatever your heart has decided to give. But if you're unsure of perhaps what you should be giving, give your best to the Lord. A tenth, as we see here from Abram, is a good standard. After Abram had given a tenth of everything to the Lord, the king of Sodom approaches him. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of the heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshcol, and Mamir take their share. So the king of Sodom is coming up to Abram, perhaps a little unsure of what he should ask for. He only asks for the persons of his town back, but says, Abram, you can keep all of the goods for yourself. And Abram says that he's lifted his hand to the Lord. It would appear here that Abram took an oath. He learned his lesson in Egypt when he had lied to the Pharaoh about Sarai, and he used a ruse to try and gain wealth. Now Abram is telling the king of Sodom, he's not going to take even a thread or a sandal strap or anything that belongs to this wicked king. It sounds like after all that trouble in Egypt, Abram has pledged to God. He will never again take from a foreign king under false pretenses. When Abram says he's not taking a thread or a sandal strap, this is a way of expressing he's not even going to take the smallest portion of property from a man or a woman. Not the thread that tied a woman's hair together or the shoelace that held a man's sandal on. However, Abram has some priorities set for this king of Sodom. Abram isn't just letting the king of Sodom take everything back. Abram has already given a tenth to the Lord. And he also is saying to the king of Sodom, Before you take anything, let my allies that helped me in this battle take their share. So while Abram is refusing to take anything from the king of Sodom, who has come to collect the people, Abram respects the men who have gone with him into battle and their investment in helping him. He lets the king of Sodom know that first his allies are going to take their share before he gets anything back. That wraps up Genesis chapter 14 for us. Next week we'll be talking about God reaffirming the covenant with Abram in a very visible and physical way. Join me as we learn what covenant promises used to look like in ancient times. God bless you this week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. 